you can't make any decisions or changes until we know where you are today. And so while today's picture, when we first get started, may not be the place that you want to end up, it's going to give you that starting point to make informed decisions. So now you know where to go from. You know, if we're in the negative numbers month over month over month, we now know that we can see it. We're looking at those numbers and we're looking to see why we're in the negative, why we're losing money and where we can make changes. Where before we started looking at that, you didn't know. You might have had a gut feeling or a thought that this needed to change, but maybe you didn't know where to start. Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the pet sitter guru and founder of Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pet Biz Hive. I have a special guest with me here this week. It's Anne-Marie Caden with Tiny Paws Bookkeeping and Pet Sitting out in Colorado. Welcome, Anne-Marie. Thank you, Janie. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, my gosh. I am so glad you are here because you and me are like peas in a pod, carrots <laughs> and peas, whatever the Forrest Gump reference is there. I know there was something I don't remember, but uh, yes, we love numbers. I'm yes, a numbers person. You are a numbers person. Spreadsheet queens here, right? Yes, ma'am. They are my jam. I know they're yes. not everybody's, but uh, they certainly make my world go around these days. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I knew whenever we met at, it was, it was a NAPS convention, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Doing those two back to back was tough for me to remember. But yes, we met at the NAPS convention and I was just so fascinated at the evolution of your story and where it has you right now that I just knew I had to have you on so everybody could learn more about <laughs> you. So fill us in on what you are doing right now and uh, and how that has changed, of course, in the last couple of years. Sure. So I have a virtual bookkeeping business today um, and a smaller pet sitting business here in Colorado. Um, my journey began back in 2017 in North Carolina, where I started my first uh, pet sitting business, the Pet Professionals, uh, just in a suburb outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Grew from being um, a single owner, single person in the business to a team of nine staff sitters over the course of five years. Um, so 20, we went through the pandemic. Um, we started with independent contractors. We shifted to employees. We had a lot of changes in those five years wow. with it. And then my husband and I got a wild hair up our butts one day and decided that we were ready for a change. We'd been in North Carolina for 16 years and the East Coast all of our lives. So we said, if we could go anywhere and do anything, what would we do? And in February of 22, we decided that we were going to take our kids and move cross country to Colorado just to be closer to bigger mountains and a different environment. For that was us. amazing. There's so many times that I just wish I could do that. I have a wandering heart. Um, I've been all over kind of the U.S. Uh, for different things. Um, spent some time in Yellowstone National Park for a summer job in wow. South Dakota and Texas. So I'm ready to get up and move whenever it hits me. But yeah, I married a very conservative city tech guy, and he is very risk averse. So it takes us a little while. I was really surprised when he wanted to, to make the move with me. So his opposites attract. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we said that for most of our marriage, that uh, it's a good thing that opposites attract. It keeps uh, yeah, everything lively. Same thing here. It, it really is a very, very different thing. But, you know, we, we have our gifts and our gifts uh -huh. blend beautifully. So it happened really fast for us, this move. Um, you know, we came out here in February to kind of do a tour of Colorado and figure out where in the state uh, we wanted to be. We had some friends here in Monument that helped the transition. By April, our house was on the market. By June, um, everything was sold, settled, purchased. Um, we had procured a buyer for the business. The, the pet professionals um, was a nice transition to one of our pet sitters. Um, 
Logan, Logan took it over and we were really grateful um, that he could do that. Uh, and then we picked up and left and we were here in Colorado by July. So it was, it was hard, fast and kind of hanging on by the seat of our pants. Girl, <laughs> when you make up your mind, my goodness. And so you, you have kids. How old are your kids? Yep. Um, I have one that's 15 and one that's 12. Um, so for us, the move had to happen quick because we wanted to get out here before our daughter transitioned into high school. We didn't want to start a year of high school and then move. So, um, so how was that transition? Surprisingly well, um, we okay. expected a, a lot more, um, I don't know what the word is that I want for it, but it, it, teenagers are hard to move. Um, you know, we, our saving grace was that we had been in two years of virtual school because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so we felt we weren't really uprooting from serious group friends. I mean, they had friends, we'd been there for a long time, but uh, they'd gotten really disconnected with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's it. Just such a lack of connection. Yeah. Yep. And we were transitioned, we were either going to transition back into new schools in North Carolina, or we could transition back into new schools in Colorado. So it was going to be a change and a difference, no matter which state we were in. So for us, it worked out well. The schools here have done a phenomenal job at keeping them engaged. I mean, they are, they really just kind of went in and thrived uh, being back in school. So that's awesome. So nice good family choice. And then of yep. course you, you pack up, leave one thing and now you're in Colorado. Did you, did yep. you have something set up uh, right away? What you were going to be doing in Colorado or were you just blazing? No, a trail? we uh, blazing a trail. So, I mean, the nice part is that I gave myself a couple of months to get in here, get the kids settled, get them into school before I really uh, had planned to do anything business-wise for myself. My husband's job was hundred percent remote. So he just shifted where his office was located for him. Um, so we were able to take some time to kind of decompress into it, to, to get familiar with our community and learn um, where we were. Uh, at that point, I knew that I did not want to build a pet sitting business as big and strong as it had been in North Carolina. Um, I knew that it was going to take a lot of work. It would go back to being 24 seven, 365 days a year. Um, like we as all most know. Startup businesses are. And when we left North Carolina, I was out of the field for the most part. I was managing staff. I was in the office. I was not working holidays, weekends, all yeah. that. And I had gotten really used to it um, and didn't want to go back to working that hard mm -hmm. and that full time. So I knew that I would stay with pet sitting. Um, you know, Tiny Paws Pet Sitting came about and I started small and maintained a small clientele on purpose to be a little bit more boutique here and opted to shift to bookkeeping, um, which sounds like it comes out of left field. But it does. I mean, most people are like, hey, let me start doing numbers for people. <laughs> so uh, I mean, but you have a history there if you're if you're like hey, I'm going to start doing other people's books. So you must be good at it somehow. Yes. So, I mean, I did my own books. I think I think I'm good at it. I like to say I'm good at it. Um, it comes pretty easy and naturally to me. And that's not true for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, in, in addition to doing my own books, I was treasurer for a lot of different volunteer organizations. Um, I'm used to working with, with budgets um, coming from multiple different sources with PTAs and... Um, uh, volunteer board positions. Uh, so that kind of helped also influence my desire to go into, into bookkeeping because I had kind of been in that, that sort of volunteer financial realm for a couple of years now. Um, it um, was something, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, clearly you didn't just like, you know, hang out your shingle and say, hey, give me your books. I mean, you, you got some education on that. So I saw I, you're a QuickBooks Pro online advisor. Yep. So, I mean, that's hugely important for those people out there that do have QuickBooks. Um, you know, I know when I was first learning it, it's like, and what is a journal entry? And how do I do this? And I mean, I started with the actual disk version, of course, years ago and that big three inch thick manual that I'd start flipping through because, you know, oh, they yeah. didn't have the online knowledge bases and things like that. So 
um, you definitely had to had to learn something in there to be able to help people with their QuickBooks. Absolutely. I mean, so I did the QuickBooks certification um, with them and then also took a, a bookkeeping course um, through Bookkeeper Launch online. Um, you know, there's no overarching bookkeeping certification. It's not regulated anywhere. There's no, not like mm -hmm. a CPA or an accountant where you have to pass the bar exam. Um, so it was really important to pick a course that um, was rigorous enough that was going to teach me not just bookkeeping and how to use the software, but also the counting principles behind it. Um, and I found that with Bookkeeper Launch, it's been a great community to stay in with. Um, so yeah, getting getting certified through there, um, I, you know, took about a month or so to to get all of that under my belt and digest that. Um, like most things with software, though, you have to just sort of jump in and start using it. Yes, and practicing yeah, it. Figure out how it applies to the particular industry too, mm -hmm. because we are a little bit different than most industries. The way that we like to look at numbers. Yes, absolutely. Um, and pet and, and pet sitting, the software that we use to, to handle scheduling and invoicing doesn't always, it, it hasn't quite caught up to integrating super well with QuickBooks. So there's some finicky pieces in there sometimes, depending on what they're using. And we all know that pet sitting businesses tend to be cyclical in nature. We have up seasons and down seasons. Um, we try to negate that as much as possible, but it's there. And so that can really um, inform some of our financial decisions of when yeah, we're entering that, lean periods or, or you know, or. Yeah, that times. is a really good point. Um, yeah, that you would see that from the, the bookkeeping perspective and you understanding that part of the industry, like even being able to help other businesses kind of plan for that. Mm -hmm. uh, I know in you know, the first way too many years of my business before I really started educating myself like 10, year, 10 years ago, probably. Um, that was one of my biggest challenges is not planning for the cyclical, not not understanding, you know, needing to take like, here's my expenses, my average expenses. And so, you know, one month I might end up with a $3,000 surplus. Uh, the next month might be only a thousand, but then January I might be like three under and I need to have, you know, retained earnings there to, to mm -hmm. make right, even all of that out. That was, that was a struggle for me. And many times it led to like, Hey, it's payroll day. You know, what am I going to take money from to put in there? So I have enough for payroll. And that is not a place that any business owner needs to be in to make that decision, whether they're going to pay themselves or their employees. Absolutely. That's a that's a hard place to find yourself for sure. Yeah. So yeah. So being able to project some of that cash flow and know kind of what's coming up. Um, and if you're in the weeds of managing the business and managing employees and doing the work in the business, then it's hard to have that foresight. Um, all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know when I felt like I needed to do everything, I guess the biggest thing was, wow, I, I don't have money, so I can't afford to hire someone to do this for me. So I'll just have to do it myself. And in the middle of still doing all the work and wearing all the hats, the bookkeeping would just get shoved to the side. There were mm -hmm. many times at the end of the year, I had just a massive box of jumbled up receipts and I had to go in and put them in there and talk about taking up so much time and, uh, you know, the opportunity cost of doing that instead of yeah. having someone do it for me and knowing it's getting done right the first time. And then not having any idea on a monthly basis of where your numbers stand. Mm -hmm. I, you know, you don't you don't know where your holes are in the bucket. You, you can't plug your holes as you go. You're just pretty much rushing around all the time and it just leaks out. Absolutely. I think I, my customers or my clients today range anywhere from first year startups that are making less than $30,000 a year to, you know, multi six figure um, uh, businesses in here. And they all have come to me at the exact same place uh, for themselves where they are overwhelmed. They're not sure what to do. 
They don't have the time to do it themselves. They know it's an important piece, but they don't even know where to start. Yes. Um, and I'm a big believer in delegating. Delegate the work that you don't like to do, you don't want to do, you don't have the knowledge to do, or don't have the time to do. Um, and get it off your plate. Like surround yourself with a team of people who are going to best support you in doing those things that that you can't get done. Because we every entrepreneur comes to a point where they can't do all of it themselves anymore. Something has to give. I mean, yeah. I for me, it was marketing. I hate marketing. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I know enough to know that it's important to do, but it was just not something that came easy to me. I would spend hours trying to figure out how to write a social media content post. And the best thing I did was to hand it over to Caroline Johnson with um, her social media business. And she does a phenomenal job with it. And I love her dearly because it is no longer my problem or my headache to deal with. And she makes it, she does it so much better than I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, that's something that sometimes it takes people a, a while to realize because you do all the things that, you know, there's some you just don't do well. You shouldn't be doing them. You, you need to be spending your time as an entrepreneur working in your zone of genius. I mean, we all have our zone of genius and sometimes it takes a while to really figure out what that is and be present to like, this, this is what I do best. This is, this is the meat and potatoes of who I am. And, and I don't have to be doing all that other stuff because it's the opportunity cost of, I can't work in my zone. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, my zone is, is content creation and, and ideas and vision. And, um, you know, for me, it was really coming up with the implementers in my life. Uh -huh. who can take all of that and, you know, do all the extra things so I can work in my zone. And, uh, you know, with my pet business, I, I have successfully done that and transitioned the whole business over to a team of managers. And I'm currently doing that in, you know, the pet biz guru, uh, because uh -huh. there are so many different things. And my genius is, is creating content and putting videos and education out there for people and, and doing podcasts like this. And it's <laughs> something I enjoy and I do well. It's all the other little things that I've recently just hired someone for. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I just, I have to, it's, you know, not really in the space right now that like, Ooh, Hey, let's hire and start payroll for somebody else. But, but it's needed because it allows me to, to grow what I'm best at, which grows the whole thing. So, you know, it's that whole conversation of, you know, there's the transition from you doing the work to you, you know, getting, getting the work out there and, and having employees so that you can then go and generate more work. Mm -hmm. uh, really, you know, the opportunity cost of you going out and doing that, you know, 9 p.m. dog visit instead of hiring someone else so you can have time for yourself. So, yep. um, you know, some of those little little pain points and realizations uh, come up as you're growing a pet, well, any business, but but yes, absolutely in our industry with the wacky uniqueness that we have of scheduling and everything that goes on and all the hats that we wear as entrepreneurs. I don't remember who said it. Uh, I think it was in my bookkeeping course, but um, the concept of, do you want to be doing $20 an hour work or $100 an hour work in your business and being able to um, organize your, or prioritize uh, your workload for that as the business owner, you should be doing the $100 an hour work or the dollar an hour work, the stuff that's going to generate the most business. You don't want to get lost in the weeds of doing that you know, $20 an hour work, because that's not worth your time. It's not where your expertise is um, and where you're best spent with your efforts. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. That is so perfect. And well, you know, I mean, speaking of zone of genius, of course, yours sounds like it's problem solving. You uh -huh. like to get in there with the whole nuts and bolts of everybody's numbers. Uh, so is this like, um, uh, I mean, besides something that you just enjoy doing and are good at, um, did you have like previous education? Where'd you go to school? What'd you do? <laughs> nope. Um, I came to this from the complete opposite end of the spectrum, the farthest away you could get from, from bookkeeping and numbers and finance. Um, I was an animal science student. Um, go Hokies, Virginia Tech. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I studied horses and cows uh, for most of my work. And that's what led me into the animal field and pet sitting in general. But um, I thought I was going to be a horse trainer. 
uh, for the longest number of years. Um, I quickly learned in college that I was not going to be a vet med student. Um, I worked in vet clinics, but I was not cut out for organic chemistry. Uh, oh my, my gosh. Like we have so many bizarre similarities. So, <coughs> Excuse me. I was originally going to vet school. I was an animal science student at Mizzou. Uh -huh. So like, I remember, um, you know, cause I went into it for small animal, hadn't had never having any large animal experience. And, uh, when you find yourself in, uh, Freshman, I even forgot what the animal science basic class was, but everybody called it Cowboy 101, where you're uh, learning how to take those calves and, you know, tie them up and lay them down. Oh, yeah. uh, the, the big, you know, everybody can visualize this, the glove that goes up to your shoulder and you're in the cow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can be palpating. Learning how to inseminate cows. I can inseminate your cows for you. Maybe you didn't expect it, but here we are both in the pet industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, part of our required courses in college were um, you had to choose whether you're going to go veterinary science related with animal science or business related. And after I dropped organic chemistry, it was definitely going to be the business route um, for me in there. And so economics classes became part of what was core curriculum for us. Um, and I think that was probably where some of my finance minded started. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were classes that I enjoyed. It was talking not just basic accounting, but just economics on a grander scale. Um, you know, in the world. And uh, that yes. was always fascinating to me. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a weird transition um, coming out of college with animal science. Um, I worked for some barns. I worked uh, in Yellowstone as a trail guide and a wrangler um, oh, for wow. guided horse trails and in Custer State Park for South Dakota. If I could have figured out how to make money doing that, I probably would still be here oh, with it. Yes. Um, so, and it's probably part of what drove us here to Colorado too, to get those big mountains again and uh, to be up higher. Um, yeah, I worked in vet medicine for a little bit um, with a small animal and um, large animal practices, both between Maryland and North Carolina. Um, then I was home for 10 years with babies. Yes. And really trying to coming out of that really trying to figure out what direction to go into so that's how mm -hmm. i kind of got into pet sitting but none of it related to finance really <laughs> none of it was accounting none of it was bookkeeping other than i like numbers and i don't i don't I know, know what to, to do with that well, but you know you can take so so much of that and um you know i mean being in business i I had like, I think I was allergic to numbers for so long until I started really understanding the port importance of it. And then it just like figuring out what you can do with those numbers and how you can project and how putting them in the right way can you can make so much better decisions for your business. I, yeah. you know, I became sold at that point. I'm like profit of let's, uh, let's do our numbers correctly. Make sure you understand your numbers, understand your P&L. Uh, you know, know, know how to arrange it, know mm -hmm. what kind of answers you can get and, you know, like have a relationship with your P&L. Don't just look at it at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's got to be something. Yep. You've got it. You've got it. I, you have to touch it at least once a month, if not more than that, uh, in at my least. opinion, because you at really least. need to know kind of where you're going. And you need to look at, at past data, too, because that's going to inform future data. And I think a lot oh, of people yes. can miss that. I mean, you can take a look and see what my numbers are right now, right here today for the month of, of May. But what, what, how does that relate to the last 12 months? Um, you know, is that higher, lower, better, worse? Where, where are we at with this? And, and once you can start looking at your numbers in that way, it can really inform a lot of decisions uh, in your business. Yeah. Um, it really can. Well, I was thinking some of the new people or that are just starting business, they might not understand. PL is your profit and loss statement. So that is one of the most fundamental uh, financial reports that you can have in your pet business. So just wanted to make sure I clarified that for people that are listening. Yeah. Profit and yeah. loss statement. It's, it's your new best friend. It's all of your income 
minus all of your expenses. I mean, and, yes. and when you can boil it down to that simple of an explanation, and that makes a lot of sense for, for people, but it can be a beast to put together if you don't know how to pull all those numbers together into one place. Yeah. Um, it really, yeah. Especially when you're starting, starting in a business, I know, you know, initially before I started using uh, QuickBooks, the desktop version, many, many years ago, I, I put all my information in a spreadsheet and my accountant had given me account numbers. And so like every month I would go through, well, you know, usually I did it <laughs> way too late. Right. But I would go in and he'd like, okay, well, like 200 account was automobile expenses. And so, you know, I put it all in there and I felt like I was just like super awesome because I learned how to sort my spreadsheets and, you know, working with Excel so many years ago. And, you know, I thought it was great. And then, wow, getting into actually using something online was up leveling so much more because I had the reports available. But I mean, a lot of it is just understanding what you need to do. And I'm sure that's that's a big thing that you have when you when you talk to new people is getting them to understand like what they what the need, what what the importance of it is and and finding out where they are and getting them to a place where they can make those kinds of decisions. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, a lot of my clients come to me with with no system in place or oh. a bare bones system yeah. um, or their personal and business money is is mixed together because they oh. just have everything deposited into one account and they pay yes. out everything out of one account. And then that makes it really difficult for you to look at your business numbers. And so being able to pull all of that out, separate it, um, is one of the big puzzles that I, I absolutely love to do. Um, and it sounds like a big headache and it is for most people who, who don't know what to do and how to pull it together. But yes, a lot of our conversation then revolves around, um, different income streams and how do you view this particular bucket of money? Is that business? Is it personal? Is it advertising? Is it some, you know, and things don't are kind of gray. Some categories of your money can be uh, not super clear. Are Is your website an advertising cost or an office expense? How do you view uh -huh. those things? So that's a lot of, you know, we have a lot of conversations about that because my services are tailored to their business and their business numbers need to speak to them and how they see the operation of their business going. Um, you know, I can give you my opinion on how I think things should be, but a lot of times, you know, some of this is subjective in how you view your money and your spending and um, as a business owner and how you want that reflected. Or mm -hmm. it's dependent on your business practices. You know, I have uh, clients who have multiple businesses under one LLC. And so we need to really focus on separating each business income stream and their expenses separately. Others are not quite so complicated and may just have simple income streams and they just want to know final numbers. So it's all a little different for everybody. Yeah. So it's really meeting them where they are. I'm sure that's a lot of relationship building that that you have to to nurture with people because I mean you're getting in their stuff, man. You're getting in their numbers <laughs> and I mean that's super personal. I mean, you know it can be. Yeah. And the, the pet industry, I mean, we're, you know, dealing with their homes and their babies, super important to them. But, you know, I mean, handing over your numbers, it's the good and it's the ugly sometimes. It because, can be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're seeing like, OK, well, here's where we're starting. But it's it's making that connection of, well, this is where we need to go. Um, I'm sure it is a lot of a lot of educating people and kind of helping them, helping them through that, no matter what their system is, no matter mm -hmm. what their previous knowledge or lack of knowledge is. Um, Absolutely. There's one of the big things that I tell people is that there's never any judgment. And I throw no stones in glass houses uh, mm -hmm. because we all start in the same place. We all come to this problem again, in a place of overwhelm, in a place of not understanding. There's a reason why you're seeking out help yes. and you can't make any decisions or changes until we know where you are today. And so while today's picture, when we first get started, may not be the place that you want to end up, it's going to give you that starting point to make informed decisions. So now you know where to go from. You know, if we're in the negative numbers month over month over month, we now know that we can see it. We're looking at those numbers and we're looking to see why 
we're in the negative, why we're losing money and where we can make changes where before we started looking at that, you didn't know, you might've had a gut feeling or a thought that this needed to change, but maybe you didn't know where to start and which spending needed to be curbed. Or maybe we decide that you need to raise prices. Like none of those decisions can be made until you know where you are today, good or bad, no matter where you're at, this is our starting point and this is gonna help point us in the right direction. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably like such a huge value for people. I mean, I, I consult with people all the time that have no concept. They, you know, I just had one recently that's like, I just, I don't know where the money's going. Um, you know, they, they get to the, you know, they finally see the report. They, uh, their end of the year report, cause they haven't mm -hmm. paid attention to their numbers. And they're like, wow. I mean, my accountant showed me that I've got like negative and they just don't understand where it came from. When you're looking like an autopsy on an entire year, you just, you know, that's, that is definitely not being proactive. So much better to look at it on that regular basis and get a handle of the, the regular rhythm of seeing your numbers. And, you know, we got in there and geez, we started unpacking our numbers because I saw like, wow, something is really wrong there. Mm -hmm. And we found some just distinct, huge glaring mistakes um, that we were able to correct pretty quickly that ended up saving our hundreds. And I'm sure you see that kind of thing also. That's like, oh, wow. Yeah, let's let's fix that. And, you know, that's that will will definitely help going forward. So it's really a very consultant kind of thing that you do also. Yeah. Uh, you know, or we walk hand in hand with with each of our clients um, to to make sure we're giving them the best and clearest picture of where their numbers are mm -hmm. each month, uh, each year, um, each quarter, and that we're we're really communicating those and and staying on top. Sometimes just having the accountability of somebody else walking with you mm -hmm. through this journey and being able to keep certain goals or tasks, keeping you on task uh, for those goals uh, really is just the motivation that you need. And, and, you know, maybe you understand your numbers just fine, but, but being forced to look at them every month uh, with somebody is a big help. Um, you know, going back again to saying like, this is where we are in this point and we want to get from point A to point B, how do we get there? What are the steps we're going to take? And so, we can always refer back to those goals and those steps, like are we aligning with that? Have we done the best that we can to, to make that next uh, uh, point um, that we're aiming for? Uh, you know, again, just having somebody to show you those numbers and walk you through them just is the accountability that you need as a business owner, because so many things get lost yeah. in day to day. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes the lost, I mean, you're not an accountant, I'm not an accountant. A lot of people will have an accountant that maybe doesn't do book bookkeeping also, because honestly, accountants that do bookkeeping are quite expensive. At least I've found that way when mm -hmm. it's integrated. Uh, I find a lot of people that just rely on their accountant. It's like they have some sort of a an assumption that the accountant is supposed to help them this, with this kind of thing. And the accountant is supposed to be looking at the numbers as they're doing your quarterly or your annual taxes or your payroll mm -hmm. or whatever it is. But, you know, unless you're engaging them in doing that and it's part of your contract, it is not what they're doing. Their, their responsibility is to manage the numbers that you give them, not yeah. look at your numbers and say, hey, wait a minute, this is not right. Or, hey, maybe you should consider this instead. That's not mm -hmm. their, it's typically not their job unless you have one that's an entire consultancy firm. Um, and sometimes you still have to know the right questions to ask, which Absolutely. you have no clue what to ask. I, you know, it's like a catch 22 there. I don't know what to ask you to get the right answer. Right. You know, and then to, to bounce off of that just a little bit too, like if you're only engaging your CPA at tax time, I mean, that's an incredibly busy time for them. They're handling multiple accounts on a crunch time with a deadline uh -huh. and they're looking at your business once a year. They don't have the history of looking at your numbers month over month over month to know what changes have occurred in the last 12 months. They are really compiling data for just one particular task um, at that moment in time. And it's very hard to get their attention for those questions if you want to ask them because they're so busy with with tax time. Um, it, it can be just a really difficult relationship to build with someone. 
um, there for even if you're doing it quarterly, you know, four times a year, that's I, I feel like that's still not enough to build a really good relationship for understanding your numbers through that process, not just at the end of the year. Yeah. And that really just that that really outlines why a, a bookkeeper is so necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it can't be just that, hey, I've got an account and then and so that's all taken care of. It, it's not. It really isn't. Well, I mean, it might right. not be unless you do have that entire consultancy relationship. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, especially having someone like you who has directly worked in the pet industry, I, there are unique things about what we do, very unique things about our numbers and best practices that might not be standard. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, right off the top of my head, one of the biggest conversations that's happening in the pet industry right now is independent contractors versus employees um, and whether one is right or wrong for your business. And there are definite industries where independent contractors work and make sense. Um, and we are learning very quickly that pet sitting is is not the place uh, for most independent contractors. It's not work. one of those. <laughs> Um, and so that's a that's a huge conversation that we have um, with with clients today. Um, and again, it's one of those things where if you don't know where your numbers are today, it's really hard to make the decision of of how to hire employees or how to convert to employees and, and what that looks like in your numbers. Um, understanding the cyclical nature of a pet sitting business. You know, we have slow months and busy months. I mean, everybody knows that summertime like nobody's taking time off. <laughs> Everybody's working as hard as they can. It's coming. It's, it's yep. May. It's coming, people. It's right around the corner here. And, you know, we've had this nice lull break between February, March, and April, where we start ramping up with spring weather. But if you're not planning ahead uh, for those leaner months when, when business is not as booming, mm -hmm. um, you know, you really need to know where your expenses are there and how much you're taking out of the business. Do you need to save some on those during the summertime? Do you need to bank money working through the summer um, so that you can fill in for fall and winter times when things maybe slow down for you? Or do you know that you're not, you're not going to take a big expense? You're not going to do, I don't know, a, you know, a remodeling of a boarding facility. You're not going to do that in February when your money is already tight or you haven't saved up for it? Um, or are you gonna invest in a new software system for your business and pay that upfront? Um, knowing where you've got uh, that extra funds to make some of those decisions is important. And so understanding that we've got those sort of built into our business, our industry, and we've gotta be aware of them. Yeah, and I do always recommend having at least three to six months of retained earnings in your business. and. You know, for those that don't know what retained earnings are, really, it's just coming up with the the total um, the total expenses that you have in your business. That if every single bit of work disappeared, it's that bank that you still need to cover every month. So mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not your sitters, it's not your sitters' cost because the concept is there's no business coming in. So it's your mm -hmm. And, you know, it's your software. It's going to be your insurance. Um, you know, your, if you have your automobile expenses, those things that are just always going to be there and you need to have that covered at mm -hmm. least three to six months of that is super important. And, you know, retained earnings, a separate account. Don't look at it like it's it's there. Yeah. It's, your, it's your Murphy repellent. You know, Murphy's law, if it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, this is your Murphy repellent. Like, it's, it's that back of the mind that if something does happen, you're not hitting the oh shit button because you know that you are covered. So yep. you know, that was one of those things that made me not panic when the pandemic started. I was going to say, we, we all learned that lesson really hard when yeah. the pandemic hit. We've never seen anything like it. Um, and I'm not sure that we won't see it in the future. Um, I think there's a good possibility that we could see you know, shutdowns like that happening again at some point. Yeah. I hope not, but well, it's but reality. We, yeah. I mean, we all should face our numbers differently. And I certainly know it changed the way that I do my numbers. It changed the things I focused on. I beefed up mm -hmm. my retained earnings account. I, I do, I do a lot differently in my business. Um, you know, I, 
my own uh, business accounting. I've operated through the profit first, um, profit first principle um, by Mike, Mike Levsky, Mike Le hmm. Mike, Mike Alowitz, Mike Alowitz. Mike Alowitz, yes. Mike Alowitz. <laughs> just, I always have he's, so much problem with his name. He's going to be my best friend one day. Oh, uh, no. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, my, my claim to fame is I, I read his book after he did an interview with Dave Ramsey on Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership Podcast way back years ago when the book first came out. And I heard it and I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this book. And so, I read the book and it's, I mean, it's written for like really cross industry and some mm -hmm. of the numbers that were in there, I didn't understand how our industry applied because, um, you know, just, just the way that they have numbers set up in there. How does our industry apply? Because like, we don't have cost of goods sold. I'm not like making widgets or, you know, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. anything like that. So how does it apply? And then, you know, I literally emailed him and I said, Hey, here's what I have going on are like my pet sitters, my cost of goods sold. And he emailed me back and he's like, yeah, you're, you're heading in the right direction. That's how I would count them, blah, blah, blah. And that's what started my whole transition into using this in my own business was the man himself, mm -hmm. uh, you know, giving me some validation of how I can adjust what he says for our industry. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, that that book for me has changed a lot about how I how I look at my numbers, what I focus yeah. on, uh, yeah. you know, what what's important and how, you know, my profit and loss statement plays into that. So, you know, I've done a lot of editing in my own business. And have you have you well, first of all, have you read the book? Uh, and uh, what are your thoughts? I have. I have read it. Um, I you know, I got to say he's a, he's a Virginia tech alum. So, so we're oh, already best friends right there. there. Um, yeah. I, I mean it when I say I'm going to meet him one day and, and he, we're just going to hit it off. I love him to death. I think he's hilarious. I, you know, my introduction to him was um, listening to his audio book. Um, and, and I've never actually thumbed through his books. I've, I read them. I, his audio books are, are it for me. Um, just profit first, or do you do toilet paper entrepreneur? Um, I have started that one. Um, yes, the pumpkin that patch great. one is Pumpy another one mm -hmm. that I've done. Um, so I've worked, I've worked through a, a couple of his, but yeah, no, I love the profit first mentality. Um, I have a couple of clients, uh, today who, who use it and implement it in their business. And, um, we're, we're seeing some changes, uh, for them in being able to use that process, uh, to, to reorganize their, their money and their thought process of how their business works for them. Um, so yeah, no, I love him. He's and his concepts to me that are important are shifting that mindset, that focus from spending all your money in your business expenses first. And then anything left over is what you get in profit or your owner distributions, your, what you take out of the business for yourself, how you pay yourself. And yeah he really flips it the other way. He says, you need to pay yourself first. You need to plan for the profit in your business to reinvest in things first. And then whatever's left over, you can divide among your business expenses and your payroll. Mm -hmm. um, but take care of those things first. And it's kind of like the idea of put your mask on first in an airplane before you help somebody else. So right. make sure you know what you need to get out of your business for it to work for you. Because we all started a business to do something for ourselves, whatever your why was, whether it was to be able to travel more or to have less. We all know entrepreneurship <laughs> takes over and you can lose sight of that really yeah. quickly. But but planning for you first and for your business first, I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, just the the numbers and, and being able to see where something is going wrong early enough to mm -hmm. put on the brakes and make changes has has been super significant for me but um you know his concept of the whole profit accounts you know i mean in my own pet business i i pull out eight percent for that and um you know in that case like one percent because we we're a one for one giving model with our business every service we do we donate a meal to a local homeless shelter uh -huh. um, which ends up equating to a roughly one percent of our revenue so okay. I pull I that, that to my profit first account. Um, we do profit sharing quarterly for any employees that have been with us over a year. 
Uh, uh -huh. And that equates to about 2% of our revenue. So that gets pulled out. And then the other 5% is what really I have right now set for my profit first account. And uh -huh. most people that don't understand what happens with that money, it builds. So you're setting every bit of money that you get in your pet business, all the revenue. In my case, I take 8% of it every time I do, you know, when there's a deposit, usually I'll do it like every two weeks. I'll take 8% of it and put it in a separate account. And then I know that 3% there is for my giving and my profit sharing, but the other five, all of that just builds and builds. I don't even look at the account. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know that mm -hmm. money exists, right? Because I have my natural tendencies of being a spender. So I don't even want to look at it. And then at the end of a quarter, I go in there and that 5% has built up to like, you know, really, frankly, pretty damn cool numbers. And I get to take <laughs> half of that. And uh -huh. he, he really says in the book, you're okay, don't pay bills with it. Don't, you know, don't like sit on it in a savings account, like make beautiful dream plans of what you want to do with it to enjoy that you've had a business that has provided this for you. Yes. So we've taken family vacations. I've bought fun things for myself that I never would have done ever. And um, so we've just had so much fun with that. And uh -huh. then the other half of it stays in there and it's my retained earnings. So that's mm -hmm. how I able to continually rebuild retained earnings. So, I mean, to me, that is just um, having that profit account being the priority in my business first. Um, you know, maybe I just have a simple mind on finances, but that was revolutionary for me. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and you're using your business. Your business is providing. I mean, I love the way you say that your business is providing for exactly the thing that you built your business to do. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you I, I don't know about you, but when I started my business in North Carolina, it was extra slush fund money for our family. Um, we were lucky enough that we lived off of my husband's salary. And so for me to work was going to you know, be our travel money. It was going to you know, do the extra big birthday parties for the kids or whatever it looked like um, for us. It was just going to be that fun money to do. And you can get so lost in everything else that you lose the opportunities for your business to provide that. Like you're so busy working, whether it's 24 seven or you're spending it in employees and you're not retained, like it, it's easy to lose sight of that. And the, I mean, that is just exactly what the profit first uh, principles do for you yeah. in that switch is it really makes you focus and force you in a bit to, to set that money aside and then to use it. Like the, the concept is there. To, yes. To yes. This. I'm not, I'm not running a nonprofit here. I am in this to make money. So, uh -huh. you know, if, if, if someone listening is not in the business to make money and they're just, you know, in the business to just be all heart and, and love for people. No, I'm in the business to make money. I'm not the right person for you to listen to. If you don't want to make money and make yep. sure that your time is worthwhile as an entrepreneur, I will stand on that uh, pedestal and preach that one all <laughs> day long. Yes, Don't be an entrepreneur if you do not want to make money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, you're just spinning your wheels. Yeah. You, you got to make it to know how to manage it and have a bookkeeper, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh, my goodness. Right. So I would love for everybody to know how to get a hold of you. So sure. what's, what's the best way for people to learn more about you? Uh, you can find us online at tinypawsbookkeeping.com. Mm -hmm. We are also on Facebook and Instagram under both of those names. Um, so you can reach out either which way. Um, my work number is also 719-602-1087. Uh, so I always welcome uh, phone calls, inquiries, or text messages. Oh, it. there you go. That's going to get you in trouble right now. So. I know. <laughs> I love it though. Oh. I, you know, it, it, I think, there is no greater joy to me than meeting a new entrepreneur who's excited about their business and wants to see it thrive. So oh I'm here for that all just of it. light you up like it does me too. It does. I mean, that's the best part about being a bookkeeper for pet sitters. It keeps me in the pet sitting world. I yes. get to talk to other pet sitters. I get to talk shop about the work, the job, the business, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how we can make it work for them. I mean, the, 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 puzzles are energizing of, of how to work it out. Um, but just here, 
being able to be a cheerleader for somebody else's business just lights up my world. Like I like none other. It's my oh, favorite thing. Same Z's on that. Man. <laughs> it really is. I mean, just being able to like, you know, look, even if you're just looking at somebody across the screen, because that's the beauty now is, you know, you don't have to find a bookkeeper in your same town, right? Exactly. You Share your briefcase in somewhere. Um, but yeah, just being able to look across the screen and like, see that little like, oh, moment when the light bulb goes off and they're like, yeah, I never had it explained to me like that before. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. dang, I've done my job today, right? You can Absolutely. just it up as a good day when that happens. So that is amazing. So I will drop all of that contact, contact information in the show notes. And I know you said that like you can work people that are on spreadsheets like I used to be, you know, handing you over a little Excel spreadsheet, but, mm-hmm. uh, but you do work directly with QuickBooks. That is yes. like your preferred thing because of course you're certified um, mm-hmm. pro advisor. Um, so you have the ability to get people connected with that at a discount if they work with you. Yes, I can offer a discount on their, their um, subscription awesome. services. Absolutely. Um, awesome. I would recommend QuickBooks to anyone. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, there's so a handful true. of others out there, but QuickBooks online has like, I think 70% of the market share out there. Does it? Um, yeah. In the US. I mean, it's tremendous. They're, and they've got all of the tools and technology to back them up too. Yeah, so. they do. And it, it works well. I've had it for years myself. So um, yes, I will drop all your information down there. I am so thrilled that you joined me today. This has yes. been a huge amount of information for people. And uh, certainly if someone is ready to offload, well, I don't want to say offload that box of receipts. I, I know you can help people do retroactive <laughs> things, but yeah, you don't want to get stuck in that. But if you do have a situation where you are knowing that you need a bookkeeper because you don't like doing it, you don't do it well, it's one hat you don't want to wear anymore, then Anne-Marie is an amazing option for you. Thank you so much for having me today, Janie. It's been so great catching up with you and being able to share a little bit of my story today. So I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetSitterGuru.com. What is your next best move?